It's the podcast where we talk about the dating shows. Except this September, where we pivoted to the Flintstones. Prehistoric attitudes and scenes, just like we are used to on our screens. This month on the podcast, it's the Abadabadoo time. We're doing this now. I'm sorry to the subscribers. Yabba-dabba-doo! <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> and welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast presents Extra Credit. Uh, look, the, the Bachelor Australia Flintstones Month podcast that asks the question, you guys, have we been Fred-pilled? Is that, <laughs> is that what has happened here? I don't know. I feel, well, first of all, I think we need to uh, sort of, we, we have to explain that we're going to break a fundamental rule of Rock Vegas on this episode. Okay. Which okay. is obviously that what happens in Rock Vegas <laughs> normally stays there. But I think we really need to be open and vulnerable and share, like, the things that we're going to, you know, like, I, I don't want to, I don't know. I don't want any secrecy between us and our listeners. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, my name is Xavier Rockbetsky Noonan. Mm, uh, and I love the Flintstones. I hate the Coronasaurus. And my close friend, Max Quinstone, is joining me as always. Hello. Uh, but we're joined today by a very special guest from the 21st century, <laughs> right? The best know. century to live in, baby. Hell Pretty yeah. good. <laughs> Can I complain? Uh, this podcast is in for some Barney. Barney Rubble, that is. <laughs> Trouble. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> Little rhyming slang. Uh, you might I'm know. <laughs> <laughs> you might know him as a stand-up comedian. <laughs> oh, <God. clears throat> this is good shit. You might know him as part of the great um, sketch by means of chiseling into a big chunk of marble. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, Chimp Rock. Yep. I really hate... It's called Chimp Cop. Yep, yep. yep. I like this. I like this. Joining us for the first time, it's Tim Rock. I, I, I couldn't... <laughs> I was really very fast thinking, oh, fuck, I got yeah. something here. No, Tim. yeah, I, I slaved over Rock-a-thee it. Clark. Yeah, that's maybe better. It's, it's Tim Clark. Thank you so much for coming to our Tim. podcast. Thank you so much for having me. We're so happy that you're here. It's a pleasure to be here, uh, traveling back in time. Um, before we get too far into the podcast, I would like to acknowledge that today we are recording on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, um, pay our respects to the traditional owners of this land, um, and it is always a bit funny to be doing that when we're talking about the Flintstones. Never gets more comfortable. Um, but, you know, that's just how you start a podcast. It, yeah. Yep. I was really prepared for a rock-based pun by the end of that <laughs> one. And I'll tell you what, I'm much calmer now. Uh, yeah. Woo! Yeah. All right. Uh, no. Yeah. Um, so today, I mean, you know, we're talking about an important film. And I'm really glad that we have you here, Tim. Thank you. Um, we know, uh, I, we've never met before. Um, Not in person, no, but no, interacted but, online. Right, exactly. So you're a very funny person on, on social media. You're a funny person on Twitter. You're a funny person on Letterboxd. Thank you. The reason that this is just a compliment Letterboxd, corner. if Let, you will. Oh, no. that's great. Really good. That's not bad. Oh, thank God. It's I'm glad good. you're here. Well, it's somewhere in the middle. It <laughs> doesn't have to be good, as as proven to us by the movie The Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas. Mm. Um you logged the right very soon after I had watched the first Flintstones movie for this podcast. Uh, you logged the Flintstones movie as well, mm. and I thought, who else is watching the Flintstones movie? And also, when else can we have the very funny Tim Clark on the podcast? So I'm I'm delighted that you're here. Um, and and I would love to hear like what you think about the Flintstones in general. You know, all right. All right. And how did you come to this? Uh, just watching the Flintstones? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think I was just... I think I had watched... I watched Fletch. 
for some reason, mm-hmm. the new Fletch is coming out. New so Fletch thought, movie out, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna go back in on the Fletcherverse. Great, uh-huh. yeah. Watched the first one. It was fine. Mm-hmm. Saw mm. Flintstones in related categories. Right. Uh, Flintstones know. comes up when you watch the Chevy Chase. I think Fletch. so. Yeah, I think okay. it was. Uh, or maybe I was okay. just looking at um, separately. Uh, and I thought, you know what? I've never actually watched the first Flintstones mm. all the way through. That I can remember. I'm sure I did as a, as a child on uh-huh. TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so I watched it in preparation because I wanted to rewatch Viva Rock Vegas, oh. a movie that I saw in, I would say, in cinemas, hmm. more appropriately, in drive-ins. Yeah, I went right. to the drive-in theatre. Much like the it. Flintstones do. Much in a very meta twist. I saw, I was in a drive-in, mm. seeing them at a drive-in, <laughs> watching the Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas. Right, mm. yeah. Uh, so that would have been in 2001, you reckon? I think 2000? I think yeah, out. of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Set the scene for us. Where are you in the world while this is happening? I'm in the beautiful city of Melbourne. Uh-huh. Oh, mm. Love it, gorgeous. God's country, mm-hmm. if you will. The good uh, city. One of the, the last uh, drive-in cinemas, Coburg Drive-In. Folks, Coburg, yeah. folks listening down south, Check it out. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. Kobo Drive-In is fucking lovely. It's beautiful. Still going? Yeah, yeah, still oh, yeah. going. And I they saw... still play Viva Rock Vegas every night, right? Every, every <laughs> night, yeah. yeah. I've, got, I've got the owner's kids hostage. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to make a Stone Age ransom note. Yeah, it's true. It There's not enough time. rock magazines to cut out letters from. <laughs> uh, it's still going. I saw, what did I see there? I saw Birds of Prey okay, a couple years great. ago. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure it's still going. Yeah. Um, Birds of Prey... They have those in the Flintstones. <laughs> we call them vultures. Yes. <laughs> they do our household tasks for us. Um, but you're an impressionable young person, mm-hmm. and this movie made an impact. It did. Like, rewatching, because, like, I, I, I haven't gone in since I had seen it, A, at the drive-in, and then definitely rented it from Video Easy on, on VHS uh-huh. afterwards. Mm. Easily. I would have seen this two or three times as well. Um, so I thought, I wanted to go back in. I saw it was on binge. I wanted to rewatch it. Yeah. Had to watch the first Flintstones, of course. Obviously. Sure. Yeah. I've got to get all the the facts. You know, I want to see all the references and the callbacks. Of course. Prequels, yeah, of course. Yeah. These two movies that are so deeply linked yeah. to each other. Uh, so, yeah, it was a. I, I, this was a rewatch for me. Mm-hmm. From what I'm gathering, this was a first time watch. This is the first time for both of us. Oh, yeah. I've okay. never seen it before. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, first time diving into the Flintstones pool. Yeah. How, how do those cool, calming waters feel? <laughs> well, we dove into the Flintstones pool, but we were both so big and fat that all of the water splashed out of the pool. Mm. Uh, much like a very, very enjoyable classic scene from the movie Flintstones in Fever Rock Vegas. Um, I uh, will get this out of the way. I didn't like this one. I was looking forward to liking it, and I felt very disappointed by the fact that I didn't like it. I thought it was bad. And I, d- I wanted this to be a reclamation project very badly. You know, I wanted to watch this film and be like, everyone's been sleeping on this. This is a forgotten hit. This is a classic. And um, there are moments in it that I enjoy, but I think on the whole, it's a bit of a step down from the previous Flintstone movie. I wholeheartedly agree. Hmm. Let me say that uh, this, to me, was just a turd of a film. Right. I really... Uh, I really didn't enjoy the first watch. And by the end of the second watch, I was drunk. Let me say yes, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, this movie is best consumed with alcohol, I would say. Hmm. Um, and I would also say that there is so much of this that lacks the, uh, what do you call it? Like the warmth and the, the spice of the original. Hmm. Um, Tim, 
tell me you disagree. I like it. Fight me. I thought yes. it was pretty fun. Yeah, this yes. is great. This is great. I mean, I, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't want to create a hostile environment for you where, where we're saying actually it's bad or anything like that. But I'm thrilled that you liked it because uh, you are a person with uh, who radiates positivity. And I think you have the opportunity. You have the, you're in a good position here to change my mind about it. Yeah. And look, I'll be honest. I love a stinker. Yes. You do. Okay. Yes. I love a bad movie. Yes. Mm. This, this is not bad enough where I personally I didn't think this was bad enough where it's like this is uh, uh, so bad it's good. Mm. I think it's just so okay. It's not a bad time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's maybe like I I almost wanted it to suck more mm. um, if that's it was going true. to suck. Like it it did not. You know I I didn't I didn't get a lot of like cringe factor necessarily from it except maybe a couple of places. Um, I think mostly it was just like less funny than I wanted it to be. Um, which to me is like, cause like, obviously it's the Flintstones. You're not going into it expecting citizen rock. Uh, uh, uh. That's what they called citizen. Ruth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, citizen Ruth pretty good by the way. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, it's not a citizen rock. <laughs> well, no, yeah. Um, uh, citizens rock is on my Mount Rockmore of rocks that I think are good. I've carved out. Well, no, right. We've really we've we're really in, exhausted. We're in the valley. Yeah. Don't worry, the peak's it's coming up. Come. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um. So this movie, much like the previous one, raises a lot of interesting questions about class uh, and the divide between the haves and have-nots. Um. That I think there's also an obvious effort to expand the scope. Um, from the previous movie, you know, beyond just Bedrock. Obviously, now we've got Rock Vegas, a second whole new location, sort of locale. Um. I've got a bunch of uh, context and information about the credits and stuff like that to get into. Um, so maybe we should sort Let's of start talking first. about that before yeah. we go into the sort of recap. Um, unfortunately for us, the official Viva Rock Vegas oral history has yet to be published. Mm. We have not got a huge amount of information, like sort of straight from the horse's mouth. I can only go off the information. Or the mammoth's mouth. Oh, they call them back then. <laughs> they called horses mammoths back then. They didn't <laughs> yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Um, so I can only really go off the information that I've been able to find on Wikipedia, the Flintstones wiki, IMDb trivia, the mm. DVD featurette, and that kind of thing. No commentary on the DVD this time around. Very upsetting. Um, but the story has it that this movie was originally planned to be a sequel that would follow directly on from the 1994 movie. However, John Goodman refused to reprise his role as Fred. Um, and also John, uh, sorry, Rick Moranis had already officially retired from acting, uh, in 1997. So production was halted, um, until, you know, they, they eventually scrapped it all together until the plans for a prequel came together. Um, I don't know exactly whose idea this specific like version of a prequel would would have been. Um, we'll have some info about the screenwriters in a moment, but unfortunately, the, this info is unclear. Um, there are other fun facts that I learned from the DVD menu that like <laughs> 700 costumes with more than 1 million specially designed rock crystals were created for the production. See, now that I love. That's that, great to know. Oh, that, yeah. that was making me laugh watching it. Yeah, uh, just thinking, man, a lot of effort got made. Absolutely. <laughs> a lot of effort went into making yeah. Viva Rock Vegas, right. the Flintstones prequel. Yeah, in a way that you would never really see. I mean, like, effort goes into modern movies of this kind of um, milieu, I guess. Sure. But in a, in a very different way. And it's hard to picture just, like, people sitting down and making a thing. You yeah, know? it's fascinating also that the budget was almost double for this film. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. That's wild. Than the, than the first yeah. one, yeah. yeah. Um, and somehow... 
looks worse. Hey, Mark Addy, he's demanding a lot. This is it, right? right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so let's t- yeah, let's talk credits. Um, Brian Levant is back as director, mm-hmm. the same director as the previous film. Um, and David Newman returns to provide the score. Uh, but other than that, almost all of the key personnel are switched out. Um, so rather than, let's talk about this first, rather than the 33 person murderers row of sitcom writers, um, that were used on the previous film, Viva Rock Vegas has just four credited writers, uh, made up of two existing writing duos. Uh, the first duo of Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. are known for a string of successes in the 1980s, including Top Gun, uh, The Secret of My Success, and Turner and Hooch, um, as well as the live-action Dick Tracy movie. Oh, hell yeah. This so, this smacks a Dick Tracy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I can understand... I mean, obviously, Dick Tracy is a movie that has like a very complicated sort of production history or whatever, mm-hmm. but I can see the the connection between like adaptation of a, of a cartoon thing without that much to go off turning into a big, high-budget Hollywood project. Mm. Um, so it makes sense that they would get somebody with those bona fides, I guess, even though when we look at the end product, it may not necessarily be all that clear i think the script is not the strongest element of this movie was uh, i might be completely wrong was stephen baldwin also in dick tracy oh i don't know actually was he flat top i'd believe it yeah or am i think i'm thinking of the guy who looks like stephen baldwin what's his name you know to check uh bad guy in stone cold you know you know he's he was the rabbi in boardwalk empire well i didn't watch boardwalk empire oh your listeners are screaming (laughs) right now (laughs) they bought a guy onto bachelor of hearts who didn't know the guy who looks like one of the baldwins you think you can stand up here and talk about flintstones and fever rock vegas (laughs) that's who i was thinking of Uh, I'm not seeing um, any Baldwins in Dick Tracy. I'm probably thinking of Will- William Forsyth, William Baldwin, Billy Baldwin. Maybe you're Stephen thinking Baldwin. of Madonna? Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm, I am thinking of Madonna. You're mixing him up with Al Pacino. Yep. Uh, the other Oscar-nominated role of <laughs> Big Boy Caprice, Dick Tracy. A movie I've seen once. Yeah, a movie I somewhat remember. I've read articles about much more than I've thought about as an f- actual movie. Will not um, surprise you that I have not seen it. Yeah, Max oh, is shit. Max is not a big movie. Yeah, it's Dick Temba on the Bachelor of Arts podcast. Thank you. Um, it may surprise you to learn that I've seen zero films. Yeah, Max's Max's cinematic knowledge is um, limited. Oh dang! That's yeah. why we bring you in as a uh, an expert voice. All right. on the subject. Part of the reason that we're doing Flintstones Month, I think, is to expand Max's cinematic repertoire. Yeah. In the sense that you haven't seen that many movies, and you you've seen even less Flintstone movies. That's true. Yeah. So, At this point, I'd only seen one movie. That it'd be was crazy if you've seen more. <laughs> you've seen more Flintstone movies than non-Flintstone. movies. I've seen more Flintstone movies at this point than I have, for example, Star Wars movies. That's interesting. Yeah. Which is the one that you've seen, if you, if any? The um, the Phantom Menace. Sure. Yeah. Saw that in the cinemas when I was like eleven. Everybody's favorite. Yeah. Yeah. It's got the red guy. Uh, sure does. The devil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Max could explain the plot of Phantom Menace to us, I'm sure. So, so alright. He's, this is, okay, so. You motherfuckers love tax? <laughs> <laughs> here's, okay, here's the situation. Um, a long, long time ago. Got it. Okay. Yep, in a galaxy far away, Naboo True. was under attack. Okay. Yep. Uh-oh. Okay. Oh, and so shame. I thought that what was going to happen was this guy, uh, and Qui-Gon Jinn could, like, you know, talk the Federation into maybe cutting them a little slack. But their response didn't thrill her. Mm. You know, didn't didn't thrill anyone. Um, 
Uh, what happened? They locked the doors. They tried to kill them. Mm-hmm. Um, Those circle droids come out. And yeah. They, uh, they've got the purple uh, shields, and then they start running real fast. Yeah, mm. yeah. They escape from the gas, right? Yeah. And then they met, like, they obviously, met Jar, Jar Jar and Boss Nass. Yeah. yeah. Um, they took a plane to see the queen? Yeah, I think that's what happened next. Then they wound up on Tatooine. Um, and that's where they found this boy, right? And what was happening is that okay. Were... I f- I didn't realize the bit we were doing. But now, I'm, now I'm now I'm in. I apologize for not getting it sooner. Okay. Continue with the bit. The, the... bit police has spoken. <laughs> I demand three more minutes of this bit. Uh, the other writing duo responsible for this um, piece of cinematic excellence are a little closer to my heart. Um, they are Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfont. Um, who the year after the great movie Viva Rock Vegas was released, they would go on to write and direct, in my opinion, the greatest movie ever made, a movie I'm wearing the t-shirt of right now. I thought it sounded familiar, yeah. Josie and the Pussycats. Rock. So, you know, up until this point, they were best known for writing on a very Brady sequel. Yes. Great movie. Great movie. Great movie. Great movie. Have you seen it, Max? Yes, I have oh, seen both of the Bradys. Yeah. In fact, Sick. within the last six months, I've seen both of the Bradys. Brad Vember is coming up. You haven't gone to the White House? The third one? There's a third one? There's a third one. Oh, I didn't Brady's, go Brady's go to the White House. Oh, Sick. What are they? Is it on January 6th? Are they? Marsha, stop stealing the stick. Stop stealing the vote. <laughs> Uh, um, they also wrote and directed Can't Hardly Wait which is an incredible film so you've seen that too I have seen that as one of my favourite movies oh no way yeah it is a great movie I watched it for the first time just the other night this is the Seth Green Can't Hardly Wait yes absolutely fuck it's so good it is uh, it is a teen comedy that had the misfortune of coming out right around the same time as American Pie did Mm. and American Pie has full frontal nudity in it yeah so America cast its vote and decided that American Pie would become a juggernaut text, and yes. can't hardly wait has kind of been forgotten about um, but pretty good movie a lot of lot of licensed music in that movie yeah oh great so yeah. much Smash Mouth yeah I have not there's seen like it four since... different Smash Mouth songs in that movie yeah oh, I, I'm watching this yeah. it's I, great I haven't watched it since I was when it came out on VHS and I cannot remember a thing it's one I, of those like whole movie takes place on one crazy night at a house party at a house party oh that one yeah. okay yes and, and because they're at a house party and it's you know the late mid mid late 90s or whatever uh, there is mid to late 90s music playing throughout the entire thing yeah right. yeah it's good mid to late 90s attire bit of uh, Smash Mouth I think Lit Definitely might be there the I think Damn It by Blink-182 plays at a certain point beautiful yeah. Yeah. and it's also got like brief cameo appearances from everyone who would become the most famous person in the world over the next like five, 10 years. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like um, Jason Siegel. Jason Siegel is in he's it. In it. Yeah. He's very stoned and he's eating a watermelon. Okay. Yeah. Why do I remember that? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the, the DP on this movie. not even got to the plot. <laughs> no. Or being a rock maker. <laughs> Trust me, there's plenty, there's plenty to get into. We haven't even touched on Anne Marg rock yet. <laughs> no, I know that I've got a big bit about that. Don't worry. Oh yeah. Um, the, the DP on this movie was Jamie Anderson, um, who has a few interesting credits. 1998 Small Soldiers. Um, <gasps> oh, great. Wow. Which is a fucking incredible movie. Hell yeah. And also like really well shot, like a really cool looking movie. Uh, 2000's The Gift, um, which I think is kind of bad. Um, that looks okay though. I don't know what it's it is. interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting. Is it a horror choices. movie? Yeah, it's kind of like thriller, suspensey horror okay. thing. It's a Sam Raimi like lesser known pre Spider Man. Uh, and also 1978's Piranha, which I th- the fuck out of here. Yeah. Really? 
He it's, did Piranha? I think maybe he's like a Joe Dante guy. Because oh, yeah, Joe Dante did the first Piranha. Yeah. Piranha, not a good looking movie, but still like a very interesting thing to have on your CV, I think. Mm. Um, let's talk cast. Yes. So the cast. Here we go. We're all, so ready. They've all been swapped out. Every single person, uh, except that there's one holdover from the previous movie. Um, Owen Keys, who yes. plays a character named Joe Rockhead, um, who we did not actually mention in our previous Flintstone episode because he's pretty minor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hosts the podcast, right? Yeah, the Joe Rockhead experience. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, he has like two lines of dialogue in both movies. Um, but I, I, I like this guy. I did some research on him. He's like a, <laughs> did you We're starting it? with Joe Rockhead. We're yeah. starting with Irwin Keyes. Yeah. He's like a, the guy you think is Jaws from James Bond, but he's right. not. He's not. He's got a similar vibe. You're similar right. Similar vibe. Yeah. Uh, he's like a king among that guy actors. Ah. Uh, he's got like dozens and dozens of perfect little roles to his name. I won't bother going down the whole list, but it's definitely a Wikipedia page you could spend some time on. But let's talk about the main cast. Fred Flintstone is played by Mark Addy, who is a English actor. He's known for The Full Monty, uh, and he has since then popped up in Atlantis and Game of Thrones. Grounded for life. Pardon? Are we talking about the sitcom Grounded for Life? I've never heard of it. What's that? Oh, that's right. Yeah. There were he four was Grounded of for this. Life. He's the, he's the guy from Grounded for Life. Can you tell me about no, Grounded he, for Life? Was he Grounded for Oh, wait. Hang on. Is this falling into that? that um... No, he. I, I was thinking maybe he was Yesteer, but no. That Yesteer was the dad from Glee. I Still think. standing. Sorry. Still I'm standing. so sorry, everybody. Oh, I see. Still standing was the sitcom that he was in. Basically, a family sitcom. Um, that ran for a few years, and it was a Fox show, I believe, mid two thousands, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then swiftly cancelled, and never heard or thought about because again. What was the one, what was the first one you said? Uh, Grounded for Life. Grounded for Life. Because that was fucking ah. Uh, come on, Tim, <laughs> you got this. Is that one of the blue terriers? He was uh, you know, the guy with the bomb in the Dark Knight. Come on, Tim, you know him, you love him. He's in Zodiac. Oh, the Joker. A, yeah, it's the Joker. <laughs> and also, Kevin Corrigan? Yes, Kevin Corrigan is in right. it. That yes. But right. also, the main lead guy. Donald Lowe. Donald Lowe. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, Mark Addy is a British person. An interesting yes. choice for the role of Fred Flintstone. And I think he does a pretty good job. He does yeah, a this job. is this is my opening question. Is like, is he good as Fred? He's a fine Fred. I think he's pretty good. Yeah. He's very committed. He's no yeah. John Goodman, who I think was right. great as Fred. I yes. agree. But uh, you know, if John wasn't returning, you needed a, a big, plump, lovable guy at the time. Yeah, Mark Addy, great choice. Fits sure. And and you know, I think the the voice. He's like struggles with it certain times, maybe a little bit, mm. because on top of doing a Fred Flintstone impression, he's also just doing an American impression, mm. which presents its own, you know, challenges. But yeah, he's really, I think he's, I, he has an admirable commitment to the role. Was the world at the time ready for a British Fred Flintstone? <laughs> <laughs> Could Barbara Broccoli announce a, a British Fred Flintstone? And will the world flip out? Yeah. We'll find out. <laughs> James Bond is sort of the British Fred Flintstone. <laughs> uh, Barney Rubble is played by Stephen Baldwin, who is the youngest of the four Baldwin brothers. Uh, he's known for some TV shows that I've never heard of, such as The Young Riders um, and movies like The Usual Suspects and Biodome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, obviously, just for being 
in the Baldwin family. Yep. yep. Now, do you know who they were going to cast for this role? Ooh, uh, maybe I saw it, but I can't recall. Who? David Spade. Ooh! Ooh would have been so be, much better. That would be a real... Now, I'm going to shock you. Stephen Baldwin, I think, does a great performance. Oh, yeah, I agree. Rubble. I think he's a good Barney. I think, I think he is be... phenomenal. I think he's role. fucking so good. All yeah. right. I'm so glad we're on the same page. Yes. Yeah. Stephen Baldwin, MVP of the movie. Yeah. I think everyone does a good job. Yes. But yeah. I, I thought, I, thought I liked I thought I liked Moranis. And obviously I love Moranis. I have a lot of love for Moranis just going into that movie. Yeah. But I think there's something about the like dead-eyed thousand yard stare that Baldwin brings to this role. He just looks. I don't know if he is stoned the whole time. That's a bit of a rock joke for yeah. you guys. Oh come on! Um, now. But like, there's just something about the like dull, like lifeless behind the eyes. I can say these things about this man because he's terrible. He's a big Trump guy. He's like a real piece of shit. Mm. Um, I I think it really serves the role. I think it's great for Barney. He's great. Yeah. This movie has made me. Almost want to watch Biodome. <laughs> Have you just ever seen see, it? Just to see him and Pinocchio star Paulie Shaw <laughs> just together. And, and I, I like I like Stephen Ball's performance in this. Yeah. I think he was great. Oh, yeah. He's I one of our Spade, finest actors. I think, I mean, I like Spade. Spade could be great in this. But yeah. I think he would bring his own, um, you know, the, the sarcastic energy that he has in his yeah. own performances. Which I don't know would that fit with Barney. Who knows? I almost feel like he Let's would get Brian be... Levant on the, on the yeah, line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hello. It's um, Barney. I almost feel like he would be a bit too much of a star for this one, though. Yeah. Like, as, particularly at that point. I mean, this is true. Like, they've basically got, like, a cast of sitcom that guys, mm. haven't they? Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, Wilma Slaghoople is portrayed by Kristen Johnston. So good. Who, also great. Yes, was at this point starring as Sally Solomon on Third Rock from the Sun, a role for which she would go on to win two Emmys. Um, our listeners may also remember her as Ivana Humpalot in Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shags Me. Um, I like her a lot here, although I think, like, you know, I think they... I think it's good that they give her a lot of stuff to work with. I think her character is a lot larger in this movie than in the previous movie. Agree. But I also think that it's not super Wilma-y. I think they, like, introduce a lot of new elements in order to broaden that character, or, you know, to, to give her more to work with. Oh, you're saying, like, it's not canon. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, it kind of ruined my childhood. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think there are, there are parts of this that you just kind of have to go along with and, um, you know... Maybe my perspective <laughs> on what makes a great Wilma. The define the parts. Fever, Rock Vegas. <laughs> you just have to go along with it for the sake of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. I can buy a lot of this crap. but uh, yeah. Check your brain at the door. Yes, yeah. if you're RN. I'm willing to go along with the bowling ball that splits itself in half so I can get the seven ten split or whatever. I can, you know. Uh, the remote control that has a bird that flies out of it that goes and pecks the button Hello, on the TV. Cinema Sins. <laughs> <laughs> I've got your next big project. <laughs> this is going to be a feature length Cinema Sins episode. Uh, who else have we got? We got Betty O'Shale, and of course, she is played by the great Jane Krakowski. Really good. Also, great. Yes. I, I loved her and, and Stephen Baldwin together. Yes. It was yes. great. That I loved so good. Krakowski. Yeah. yeah. So Jane Krakowski is obviously at this point best known as Elaine on Ally McBeal, mm. but whose work in 30 Rock and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt has made her probably the best, like, well-known, most well-known of these four uh, nowadays. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, she is also, I didn't really know this, but she's won a ton of awards for her work on stage. Um, yeah. She also released a solo album in 2010. 
Um, I didn't know that either. Follow that up for Flintstones Month. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we're going to do... God, um, I hope it was in character as Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do Krakownuary. Krakownuary. Uh, yeah. Great. Yeah. That's yeah. good. Yes. Yeah. Thank I've got you, a separate Tim. challenge in, in Vacation. the month after. Mm-hmm. This movie again. <laughs> uh-huh. And then all of 30 Rock. All of 30 we're going to knock that over in one episode. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, and 30 the... Rock? Oh, that's true. Okay. Third all Rock right. from the Sun. Third guys. Rock from the Sun. <laughs> do you reckon they knew? I, yeah, it's a bit wink wink, isn't yeah. it? Uh, she's also, we could do this in Krakownuary. She's in the chicks video uh, for Goodbye Earl. She plays oh, yeah. Wanda. Oh. <laughs> Just listing credits now. This is what this podcast is turned into. Um, yes. That is the that is the perfect podcast. Yes. Listing credits. Listing, yeah, yeah, and definitely. going, oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Didn't know that. The thing is, I'm not reading it straight from Wikipedia. I read it from Wikipedia a few days ago, and then I wrote it myself into a notes app. That oh, I'm that's much better. Yeah, Thank so you. That's, that's how you avoid plagiarism. Um, yes. It, it, I think she is incredible here. I think she is, like, this might be one of her best performances that she's ever given. Um, she's a great baddie. But you also can't shake the idea, and I could not stop thinking about this, that this is a Jenna Maroney project. Like, this is the exact type of thing that on 30 Rock they would cut away to her wearing the, like, <laughs> leopard print or whatever and sure. going around on roller skates. We'll talk about the other cast members as they come up. Yes. Um, I think we should get into, like, a recap and talk about the things that happen in the movie. Um, we're going to go through all of the wonderful bits. stuff. The bits. Um, <laughs> Max seems exhausted already. Look, it was just. I watched it two Month times. seems to be taking a little bit out of you, Max, and I do feel a bit guilty about it. I loved, I loved the first Flintstone. Yeah. Let me say, um, the subsequent subsequent Flintstone, it just it sapped me of some energy. Mm. Um, and I think it was. Tim, it, you might not know this, saying, but earlier today we recorded a, another episode where we talked about the Flintstones rap album that came out in you know 1996. Oh, oh no, yes, I've heard about this because you know I'm I, impressed. Yeah, I think I looked it up on Wikipedia after I watched Beaver Rock Vegas initially. Yeah, you um, you already sat there only halfway through Stone Timber. Oh yeah, <laughs> Stone Timber is a bad name. <laughs> no, look, I'm uh, I'm thrilled to be here <laughs> in your own house. <laughs> In my house, in my chair. Thrilled to be here. All yeah. my stuff's here. Yep. <laughs> if I was somewhere else, I'd be like, when this? do I get to go home? <laughs> uh, no, no, look, uh, I think it's the writing and, and the plot of the of the movie that really got me um, uh, in my feelings, hmm. I think. It hmm. really, it really... The first um, one, you mean? No, the second one. Oh, the second one. Yeah. Hmm. Um, in my feelings in a um, in a depressed way. Hmm. Okay, right. gotcha, yeah, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So maybe you we should go more, do that. You um, wanted company espionage yeah this is it right yeah Yeah. i wanted more um corporate corporate like Mm. business meetings all that kind of stuff more discussion Mm. about procurement documents yeah yeah absolutely i want like white men that's what you like about star wars episode one that's what you like about the original flintstones movie yeah i I work a lot with procurement documents in my day job is that right yeah i'm working uh, watching the first Flintstones, just like oh man i relate to fred so much here Mm. (laughs) it's like you clock off work and clock back onto the movie though i mean you'd rather be relaxing in the casino maybe Hmm. Maybe that's the appeal of this movie. Anyway, let's talk about... Depending on a couple of clams. <laughs> 2000s, The Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas. So we open with the Universal logo, but once again, they've changed it to Universal. Now this, I remembered so vividly me too. as a yeah. child. This awoke something very nascent in me. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, Universal, it's Pangea, it's all one. I remember that. Right. We pan out, and then it's Alan coming in. The... <laughs> I remembered all of this. Right, he goes, right. Did you anyone see the shells go around? I remembered all of yeah, this. Yeah, he from... makes reference to it. He sort of breaks the fourth one. One time seeing this at the drive-ins. Yeah, well, I think it is because 
this movie is making you laugh, but it's also making you think. Mm. You know, universe like it's clever actually. It's it's meta, right? Um, and as you say, we pan out to a flying saucer filled with little green aliens who are observing the different planets of the solar system. There's an outsider of the group named Gazoo, and he gets sent down to Earth to, quote, document the Earthlings' bizarre mating ritual of love and marriage. Um, we also establish a running joke where Gazoo's name is mispronounced as Kazoo. Um, but I, this joke comes up three or four times in the movie. I don't think it was ever enunciated clearly enough to land. In yeah, my I opinion. think we're confusing running joke with um, <laughs> repeated dialogue. Right, yeah. <laughs> Just copy and pasted sort of, yeah. Um, it's a shame though, obviously, because if they enunciated it clear, more clearly, it would, of course, land because it's very funny. Mm. It's just the problem of, uh, yeah, diction. Um, I'm going to open with it at Rat Club tomorrow. <laughs> Good idea, yeah. Uh, Alan coming in what... At the time, I assumed was his only role in the movie. Right. Which we'll get into a bit later on. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think actually we should probably talk a little bit about Alan Cumming in general. Um, At this point, his... uh, No, not at this point. In in his incredible filmography, I think we're aware of him for various different things because he's a a guy who pops up. He's in X-Men 2. Mm. He's in Spice World. He's, of course, in Josie and the Pussycats. Um, On stage, he was famously the MC. Oh, right. Mr. Cumming. Yeah. In Cabaret. <laughs> Mr. Cumming. Yeah, really good. I know I was, watching his great performance. <laughs> That's right. Well, see, yeah. this is what I want to talk about, his perfume line. Do you know about this? Oh, no. no. Okay, he's got, a, he's got two perfumes that he's released, uh, one in 2004 and one in 2009. The first perfume was simply called Cumming. Great, okay. of course. Really good. What do you think the second one was called? In My Pants. <laughs> I'm going to guess it was maybe called Alan. Second Coming. Second oh, Coming is perfect. That's this right. is really good. This is why he gets the big bucks. Not after come? <laughs> <laughs> after come is when I can't afford come and I have to pay four different installments. You can actually still get pregnant from after come, though. Um, he is... I thought it was just piss. <laughs> He's also in, let's see, Garfield the movie... Um, the Smurfs live action movies. He's like, got a he's, kink. What can we say? Yeah, he's like he knows his strengths. I think that's kind of kind of fun. Yeah, uh, he's in Son of the Mask. Oh, that's that? right. Yeah, I never, never got around does to it. Does he play Loki? <laughs> my please, boss. Please let that be true. He does my, play Loki. Great. My boss uh, in my day job, speaking mm-hmm. of procurement documents, is in Son of the Mask. Really? Yeah, she was. A, uh, she's an actress. She's in it. Okay. Well, I won't. I should ask her about it. I won't dig too much deeper, but if you can get any stories, please feel free to send them across. Okay. Um, So, okay. Since it's a prequel, Fred and Barney haven't got their jobs at the quarry yet. And so we begin with them doing the training that they, the the, the training required for them to be certified to use the Bronto cranes, which are the big dinosaur cranes that yabba dabba do's down in the start of the previous one, yada yada. Um, Do. Yada yada do <laughs> fuck you. I'm sorry. Um, in order to do the training, what kind of dinosaurs do you reckon did 9 11 in the. <laughs> <laughs> Was that two? <laughs> what is this? A second pterodactyl. <laughs> the Stone Trade Center. <laughs> um, in order to do the training, they use these big. They whisper me- to Bush while he's reading a big, <laughs> big, big stone, stone tablet. tablet and he can't leave. Yeah. Um, uh. Uh, so when they're doing the training, they use these big mechanical cranes that have been like painted to look like a brontosaurus, which like that strikes me that they could maybe just cut out the middleman and maybe just use the mechanical cranes for the mechanical crane mm. tasks. Surprising. Um, there is a joke here where Barney has to take a dinosaur's temperature, but the thermometer needs to be inserted rectally, not orally. 
Um, the first two times that I sat down to watch this movie, um, I stopped here. I switched it off here because there is an exact... There's... Pumping your fist too hard. <laughs> exactly. I'm loving it too much. Um, there, there is a shot where the dinosaur looks down the barrel of the lens and groans with gastrointestinal <laughs> distress. And it was simply too much for me and I had to switch it off. Um, I didn't even know what was coming next though, which is the dinosaur does a really big fart that blows everybody away and then looks down the barrel of the lens again and says, hey, I've got three stomachs, cut me some slack. So we're only a couple of minutes into this thing and already it's making you laugh, but it's also making you think. <laughs> Thanks for the context, because I'm, I'm getting serious Top Gun vibes. From <laughs> <this> <laughs> <intro>. <laughs> it's basically the same setup, yeah. Um, we meet Wilma as well as her mother, Pearl, this time played by Dame Joan Collins who has decades worth of credits to her name. She might be best known for playing Alexis Colby, the villain or a villain of Dynasty. Um, she is Dynasty. Oh! Dynasty! Why didn't they do that? Yeah. Should oh. They should have been a cutaway gag where she was watching an episode of Dynasty. Mm. Oh, that, mm. that works so well. Oof. It's right there. It's right there. Get us back for the third one. Yeah. <laughs> they, they could do it. They could do it. They I could mean. do it. It'll lose a lot of money, but they can do it. <laughs> if anyone can lose money, it's us. That's right. We are, but you know what? So can Bryant Levant because this movie lost about $35 million yeah. at the box office. That's true. Um, uh, Joan Collins uh, has written seven autobiographies. That's Damn. so funny. Yeah. Just keep stuff keeps happening to her, I guess. <laughs> I think that's the name of the seventh one. <laughs> stuff just keeps happening. Dear I Diary, guess. you'll never believe what happened this time. Uh, she's also in the best episode of the original Star Trek, uh, The City on the Edge of Forever. Just credits. That's what oh, yeah. we do on a podcast. Is that the? Uh, is that when, when they go back and uh, gangsters? No, although that move, that one is fantastic. Okay. You're thinking of Dick Tracy. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm always thinking of Dick Tracy. <laughs> Man, I want to watch Dick Tracy again. No, Hell yeah, why not? fucking sick as hell. Um, she is a staunch monarchist, Brexit supporter, and was a supporter of Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher. Okay. Um, the credits are all important here. Um, anyway, Wilma is gazing down on the peons at the quarry from her balcony, um, because it, it turns out that Wilma, we never knew this about Wilma, but she comes from money. Mm. Wilma, the slag hoople fortune is a big sort of plot point in this one. Um, but she she craves a normal life. She wants to be among the people. You know, she she wants to she wants to be where the people are. Right. She you wants know? to be with common people. Wants to see them dancing. Um, yeah. She wants to go bowling. <laughs> she, this is her she big wants dream. To eat a brontosaurus burger. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, that is actually weirdly the first thing that she does when she <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh, she 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 doesn't like the idea of ending up with smooth talking casino owner Chip Rockefeller, who is played by Thomas Gibson, who I only know as Greg from Greg. Greg. We love Greg. Yeah, because he's and he's also Criminal Minds. He yes. does. Yeah, he does. Him? I've never watched Criminal Minds. Yes, okay. he is in Criminal Minds as well. Um, uh, I think that he does a really good job of being slimy in this movie. Yeah, I think uh, full credit to the Gibbs. Yeah. I think it was pretty good. Yeah, it's kind of a hard act to follow because it feels like it should just be the same villain character from the previous one. Which and in is... certain shots, it really looks like it. Right. So Carl McLaughlin is the villain in the first one, and I think he is a, a little better. 
Um, but yes. also, mm. it's just like I love Carl McLaughlin. It's hard to separate that. You know? Yeah. Now, would he be uh, in the Flintstones universe? He would be playing Detective Shale Cooper. <laughs> Shale Pepper Stone. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, back at the quarry, Fred and Barney are talking about how they want to find someone to spend the rest of their life with or something, uh, before a mysterious green object crashes down from the sky in front of them. It's the meteor that killed the dinosaurs and that's the end of the movie. This is, this is where I make my first point of exemption. Why, why is the great kazoo full question mark Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. why why does this man exist in this movie i think they just it's from the old old show right so So they gotta they gotta get it back in there uh, so he came in halfway through the final season of the show in an attempt to revive ratings yeah he appears in 11 episodes of the original flintstones series uh he has reached a level of infamy um, you, you can read about this on the Flintstones wiki. The people there are upset still. Uh, he, 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 you know, he completely warps the dynamic of the show for these last few episodes where suddenly it is this science fiction comedy sort of like, and, and people were annoyed because they already had the Jetsons at that point and there's no real reason to introduce this. I kind of like the Great Gazoo. I don't okay. mind saying it, or at least like I was a big fan of the Great Gazoo as an idea before I watched, I feel like he is not particularly well suited to a feature length. He drives the plot and it doesn't work for me mm. is, is basically where I've come to with this. Like, I think that the great kazoo is, is so important to uh, at least the, what the B story of the film. Um, and I'm going to beg to differ. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I think I, I like him because I think he's funny when he says dumb, dumb. Uh, and that's, that's my main, cause I don't think, I think weirdly he could be removed from this movie with almost no, uh, real like consequence apart from not getting to see the dumb, dumb thing. Sure. But then it'll be less than 86 minutes. <laughs> the perfect runtime for a movie. That's right. Yeah. They do have to fill it out with something. Um, yes, so it's the Great Gazoo. He explains, I am not some sort of friendly cartoon genie, and that is not a bottle, it is a spacecraft. I am of a highly evolved alien species. I don't do funny voices, I don't sing catchy songs, and I don't have a magic carpet for your big bloated behinds to float upon. Um, any idea what he's referring to here? Um, I think that's a... (laughs) (laughs) I think this was Gazoo Drop 2, maybe? You know, like, I, I, like, and then eventually, obviously, we all become indoctrinated, and it is... Gazoo-anon. Oh, I understand. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. Um, Gazoo-anon. <laughs> uh, anyway, at this point, we get our first swing revival needle drop. Um, the Brian Setzer Orchestra with Rock This Town. It's pretty funny. Um, do you guys remember the year 2000 and only the year 2000 when, like, swing music was back with a, with a vengeance? So was Scar, baby. Wasn't that, wasn't that For... like, more mid-90s? I feel like, like it was, was like 1999 and 2000, maybe. I could be oh, wrong. Dang. But right. like, that's when you had like the cherry pop and daddies and the squirrel nut zippers. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, God. I haven't heard of the squirrel nut zippers in, in ages. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about the cherry pop and daddies when you said swing revival. Yeah, a really upsetting squirrels. band name. Uh, I just realized it's not letting me open this link, but I wanted to I wanted to read you the names of the songs that are on the soundtrack to the Viva Rock Vegas movie. Right. Uh, I'm just going to crack this open now. Now, are these real songs? Yes. Or are these uh, read like the B- BC-52s? Are these redone <laughs> versions of famous songs 
It contains With a bit of a rock vibe, contain... and not the rock you're thinking of. No, no, the, it contains a couple of those um, as well, but I think fewer than in the previous one. Um, but the track list, you, you've got, you know, your, your Viva, La, uh, Viva Las Vegas, Viva Rock Vegas medley with Meet the Flintstones. But then we have, let me just read you some track names, okay? We've got Rock, Rock, Rock by Jimmy Cavello and his House Rockers. What's that one about? Um, don't know. Mm. We've got Rock the Joint by the Reverend Horton Heat. We've got Seven Nights to Rock by Nick Lowe and his cowboy outfit. We've got Rock a Beaten Booty. Uh, mm. Sorry, Rock a Beaten Boogie. We've got Rock Bottom Pop One. We've got Love is Like a Rock. We've got Rock Me Baby. We've got mm. Rock Me Right, Rockabilly Boogie, uh, Moon's Rock, and Bedrock Bedlam, which okay. I think is some score. So I think what they have done is just done a search for the word <laughs> rock and gone, yep, we'll take all of those. Thank you. <laughs> we'll Correct. make this work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, the movie isn't, um, just making you laugh. It's making you think, uh, Wilma. Let me think, where can I buy this soundtrack? <laughs> exactly. To um, the nearest sanity, please. <laughs> they probably still have it on the shelf. Yeah. Uh, Wilma runs away from home and straight to Bronto King, where Betty is working as a waitress and mistakes Wilma as caveless in a bit that I found a little bit tasteless. Uncaved, I believe we say. Yeah. Right, exactly. Our uncaved neighbours. Yeah. Um, Betty buys her lunch, offers to share her apartment, and gets her a job because the plot needs that to happen. Betty, very trustworthy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's like, well, this random person has just arrived. I better share everything I have with them. Uh, And the world will be a better place. Right. If we're all a little bit more like Betty. Honestly, it's a great point. Yeah. I mean, look, like uh, we're sharing our home with, I mean, you right now, for example. Yeah. And since you're from Melbourne, you are technically caveless in in Sydney. Yeah, I guess. I mean, technically I'm caveless in Melbourne as well. Well, yeah, that's true. I don't have a cave to my name. Yeah. God, well, we'll take donations. (laughs) (laughs) All the Patreon fees from this month will go towards finding you a cave. Um... (laughs) Barney and Fred drive to the Bronto King looking for women to meet, I guess. I, this is like the place where everybody in Bedrock just goes to hang out, I guess, is the like sure. yeah. Hungry Jacks. For um, a prehistoric town, it's, it's definitely like a real 1950s vibe. Yes. It's not quite the cultural hub of Rock Vegas. Mm. Um, it's kind of clumsily set up that Fred and Barney are the only ones who can see Gazoo, um, but this actually never comes up again doesn't doesn't really matter um betty comes up to take their order and fred like sort of chuckles his way into a date with her um he sort of stammers over his words and hominas yeah he does a homina homina which i think is something that what's his name from the honeymooners did yeah yeah that's one of his main sorry from the homonas uh and I guess that's a word that is uh, spelled differently, but means the same thing. Right? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. All the other way around. <laughs> Sorry, um, I fucked that up. I was looking at a big pair of breasts in the corner. <laughs> um, you can come out, by the way, now. <laughs> yeah. um, so I guess the others are just going to come on this date as well, because the, that's what the movie needs to keep going. Um, one awkward car ride later, they arrive at a carnival. Um, this carnival is interesting. They've built a big set here. They have a CGI set piece where they have a roller coaster that's made out of like dinosaurs that are like sucking each other's tails or something. Is this okay? This is, this felt very suggestive to me. This is like a G rated movie. Yeah. Okay. You can suck a, you can suck a tail in a G rated movie. (laughs) Yeah. That does sound like something a, a a cowboy would say. Go suck a tail. (laughs) Sucker and suck a tail. (laughs) 
Um, there's a there's a freak show with where they're like, come see the forty year old man. That's a pretty good bit, I thought. Um, He's also a virgin. <laughs> it's just showing the movie. Um, Betty and Barney run off together, leaving Fred and Wilma to get to know each other and play some carnival games. This is where we see both the Blink and You'll Miss It cameo from Irwin Keys as Joe Rockhead, who Fred knocks into one of those dunk tank things. Uh-huh. What is that called? I don't know. Dunk tank? Dunk tank. Mm. I'm thinking of drunk tank, though, which is not. Anyway. Um, then there is an even more Blink and You'll Even Miss It, even a little bit more than that cameo from a young Kristen Stewart. Oh, this. yes. Yeah, I saw this. Yeah. The so I couldn't she, find it. She mm. plays a character named Ring Toss Girl, who is a girl who tosses a ring. Mm. Um, she is facing away from the camera, and you cannot <laughs> tell that it's her, but if you read the IMDb trivia like we all did, I guess you get some sick satisfaction out of that. Uh, one of the carnival games is bowling, um, much like at carnivals, how they always have bowling. A bowling, yep. Um, and Fred is teaching Wilma the basics, and together they win an egg, which then hatches into Baby Dino. Baby Dino, pretty good. What do we think? Doesn't look too bad. It's a, it's. A, I, I watched this about a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. It's a mix of CGI and some puppets, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, puppets look good. The CG doesn't look too bad. It's not horrible. It's I a think kids' movie from the year two thousand. Yeah, Come I think on. there is worse CG in this movie than in the previous one because. Maybe. I think just around this time, like in the mid 1990s, they were like, well, we could use CG, I guess. Whereas in the 2000s, they're like, technology's done. <laughs> we, we fucking sorted it all out. Let's throw it in every second frame. That was the other jarring thing watching this back to back. I was like, how does this look worse? Mm. You know, and it's six years in the future, but it's more CGI and the CGI is worse. Yeah. I think, and it's also like more money so that they're spending it a little less carefully, maybe. Mm. Um, and I think also they have, they have changed the aesthetic a little bit. They, I think they were, tr- they, they said that they were trying to go for a Universal Studios, like, park, like, theme park aesthetic to it or something like right. that, which is an odd avenue to go down because the Universal Studio, like, the a theme park is trying to recreate things that happen in movies, not usually the other way around, right? Like, mm. I don't know. It, it mm. seems confused. Um, but a commendable uh, effort for them. Sure. Yes. They're going for a, a striking visual stance. Yeah. Um, it, 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 I don't like the I'm look gonna, of this movie yeah. very much. Get those breasts out of here. <laughs> I know. I can't think straight. Um, Wilma and Fred continue getting closer throughout the night. Um, this date seems to be going very well. It culminates in a montage set to the transcendent 1999 new radical single, You Get What You Give. Mm. Oh, yes. One of the best pop songs of all time. Truly. We love Greg Alexander so, so much. Yeah. Um, this is so there's a montage here where we see the two couples bonding, they dance together, they're like dreaming of their futures in thought bubbles. This is genuinely my favorite 60 seconds it's of the, the movie. It's the best of the movie. Um, there's no jokes, <laughs> it's just like it's happy and kind. Yeah, and I can pretend I'm watching a very strange music video. Yeah, um, they don't get to the excellent my favorite last part of the movie, whatever. No jokes. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it when these Flintstone movies are funny. Um, Betty convinces Wilma to wear her hair up, um, in this moment, like, since we've been wondering, oh, uh, is this like the how did it origin all... story? Right. It's oh. like, she's like, oh, you'd look so much better if you had your hair. Cause I've been sitting here for 60 years being like, why? How? Mm. It's like the, um, 
in the Star Wars uh, solo movie when they, they have that scene where he's like, yeah, I'm, my name's just Han. It's just the one name. The name itself is Solo. I'm traveling on my own, so I'm Solo. And by the way, my name is Han. And they're like, what's your last name? And you're like, uh, gotta go. I don't Yeah, it's very ham-handed. And then when he meets his friend, he's like, I don't have time to learn your name. I'm too busy chewing this tobacco. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Java. Moving on. (laughs) Uh, Wilma is like just on the edge of telling Betty the truth about her not so disadvantaged past. Mm. She's like, "Hey, I've got that one thing I just wanted to talk to you." And then out of nowhere, Wilma's mother Pearl knocks at the door. I find this type of plot to be pretty frustrating. Like when, when someone just needs to have a very brief conversation about something and then it will all be resolved, but they just never for plot reasons, never get the opportunity. It's always a little bit frustrating. Um, anyway, in a movie full of dinosaurs, I am glad that they gave some screen time to the nastiest dinosaur of all. The mother. (laughs) Um, Pearl convinces Wilma to come home to celebrate her father's birthday. Um, and Fred and Barney are coming too, I guess. It's just, everyone goes everywhere. Except they leave Dino at home, or so they think. I'm, I'm selling it, aren't I? <laughs> you really are. Yeah. Um, drama. Thank they, you. They arrive it's like I'm watching the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I have written out everything that happens in it. <laughs> they arrive at Slag Hoople Manor and are shocked by the opulence on display. Um, first of all, there's a monkey playing a grand piano. <laughs> That's just a classic gag. Right. This, that could so, work in any movie. Yeah, I texted Max while, uh, during my first watch of this movie, and I was like, Max, I'm not sure if this is a good idea. Can you maybe write the notes instead of me? Because I feel like I'm just writing negative things. And then the monkey started playing the piano, and I thought, you know what? I can salvage this one. I'm actually having a great time. <laughs> this movie's good. Talk about chimp rock. <laughs> True. <laughs> was that Ben Vanell? What? At playing the piano? I don't know. I'm just, oh, okay. Hmm. I, I thought you were trying to turn... My sketchmate into a rock-based pun. No, I, could, I couldn't come up with one quickly enough. That's all right. They're hard. Had enough trouble with you. Uh, Hollywood superstar John Cho has a oh. very brief cameo here as the valet. Yeah. Um, Fred thinks that he's trying to steal it. Um, Nothing says snobs v slobs. <laughs> like, pulling up and you think the valet driver, get out of my car! Right, exactly. Fred, he's the valet! I think that's pretty funny, actually. Yeah. It always works. (laughs) Max, you can say you don't like it. It was fine. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Fred is planning to propose, but he chickens out when he meets Chip, who makes fun of him for his low-level job. Meanwhile, Wilma's father, Colonel Slaghoople, who is ably portrayed by Harvey Corman, who was the original voice actor for The Great Gazoo. So he's haunted by Gazoo for another decade of his life. Uh, In his last role, I think. I, I think you're well. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, so um, this franchise kills people. It's I true. I say it's that, cast. right? Elizabeth Taylor's last ever film role. Mm-hmm. Then she died. Harvey Corman's last ever, ever film role. Then he died. Right. Hanna-Barbera's last ever live action film. Huh. And then they killed off the concept because th- this one did so poorly. It didn't do very well. Yeah. yeah. Um, the last... So JFK was yeah. in it? <laughs> <laughs> it's also going to be the last episode of Flintstones month and then that's going to be killed off too, which is such a shame. Uh, he, uh, the colonel, pulls his daughter aside um, in the middle of the party to give her a gift 
some fried chicken. No, I'm just kidding. That's terrible. Um, <laughs> no, he gives her a gift of a pearl necklace because, again, we've all been wondering, where did that famous necklace come from? Mm. I find this so funny because they're like, all right, we're doing a prequel. You know, and we get to find out about how the Flintstones met. Great. Fantastic. What else? What else do we know what about these characters? What is Wilma's about... thing? Yeah. What is her thing? Let's build out this character a little bit. We're going to give her some more screen time this time around. What do we know about her necklace? They see her um, starting the milk delivery that she puts out at the end of the episode. <laughs> every right. week. Yeah. Um, that was unexplored. Could could be fertile ground for a future okay, right. for a pre prequel. Mm-hmm. Did someone say Flintstone babies? <laughs> <laughs> I think actually there may be a thing there called Flintstone babies. babies. Yeah. 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 Uh, so baby Dino breaks off his leash and disrupts the fancy dinner party, causing chaos. I don't think anybody's like monocle pops out of their eye, but it's that type of you know. I wish somebody said like, "Well, I never" or something. Mm. But I, I was looking for that, but Joan Collins. Um, is is funny here she gets a piece of cheese like stuck to her face like draped across her i don't know it's good like trash being spilled on a rich person it's what the queen would have wanted (laughs) that's right uh wilma begs her family to take it easy on her new friends um this part really frustrated me she says they like me for who i am not who i am which to me is like quite a good piece of writing yes but then everybody like completely spoils it by like leaving a beat and making it seem like nobody knows what she means i'm like you've sold out your own piece of writing here and she like stutters and says like i mean well i, I mean uh, well you know what i mean and then she sort of goes like damn it you know mm. you're, you're an idiot wilma come on I'm like, that was perfectly cogent piece of, you know, anyway. Um, As they're walking out, at the exact halfway point of the movie, we are introduced to the concept of Rock Vegas for the first time. Chip invites the four of them to the opening of his new casino and resort as a peace offering. um, Or so we think. (laughs) (laughs) Now, maybe maybe this is some kind of... Mandela effect, or I'm misremembering. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, I had a couple of beers when I watched this. What? Did, when the notion of Rock Vegas is 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 brought up, mm-hmm. does Fred's eyes turn into big dollar signs? Yeah. Yes. They do? Yeah, okay. They do. Yeah. I think Good. they turn into, like, lotto balls or something, and then they, like, spin up and, you know. And then cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah his yeah. mouth opens and a bunch of coins drop out. Right. Mm. And he does also have a thought bubble, and he, he imagines the future where he impresses Wilma with a great big diamond engagement ring. Yeah. Um, and she sees the ring and she goes cross-eyed and she falls back and her <laughs> legs flip up. Yeah, that's right. And then her shoes fly off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All of these things, like, yeah. I feel like they need to and go the 20% ring is a small further. Fish, and then it turns the camera and goes, it's a living. Yeah, exactly. By the way, sorry if I'm going over uh, no, 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 please, please. ground from last week. At no point in the Flintstones 1994 or Flintstones River Rock Vegas does a Animal turn to the camera and say, it's a living. There's no it's a living in either it of them. It doesn't happen in either. And I was fully expecting both of them. Yeah. I had a group chat going with right. some mates <laughs> who knew that I was watching Flintstones. Sure. They were all asking, are you drunk? It's a support network. Yes, I am. Yes, yeah. I'm drunk. <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact. As my right. <laughs> true blue Aussie yeah. dictates that I can be. <laughs> yeah, and they were like, tell us when it happened. It never happened. Isn't it crazy? Mm. So I that made me wonder... 
did it happen a lot in the cartoon or has it just become like maybe it happened like once or twice and it has just somehow become because obviously it's a, it's a great line now. yeah right mm. but like yeah I'm, i mean obviously i'm not going to go back and watch like four years worth of th- these like crapped out cartoons that were... are you <sighs> probably uh, might happen might have to explain it into uh, 2020 stone <laughs> flintstones year that's a good idea um yeah we'll we'll find out i guess um but then it's time for another montage and it is set to a new version of the song viva las vegas as featured in the film viva las vegas called viva rock vegas and they get legendary swedish american actress and singer uh ann margaret or ann marg rock here really good um uh to sing it because she appeared in the 1964 movie viva las vegas alongside elvis presley um, I knew about this going into this movie, right? You did. Like I was, this is one of the things that I know about Viva Rock Vegas is that Anne Marg Rock is in the movie and sings the song Viva Rock Vegas, yeah. right? So with that in mind, I watched Viva Las Vegas as background research. I thought this might be helpful. And then I also watched Bye Bye Birdie, which is another iconic Anne Margaret role. Uh, and Carnal Knowledge, for which she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress in 1971, and Tommy, for which she was support, uh, she was nominated for Best Actress in 1975. Fucking love Tommy. Tommy was so fucking good. And Anne Margaret, so- sorry, Anne Marg Rock. Hmm. Uh, she yeah, she is so good in Tommy. Phenomenal in it. She bathes in a big thing of beans. Uh, there's a lot going on in that it's movie. Wild. It is one of the wilder movies I've ever seen, and mm. I've seen a lot of Billy Wilder movies, <laughs> and it's not one of them. I should clarify. Anyway, uh, I enjoyed all of those movies a lot more than I enjoyed this one. But I'm also like, well, would I have watched them if it mm. weren't for Viva Rock Vegas? Maybe not for mm. a while. It's kind of like The Rise of Taj, a bit wilder. <laughs> Wait, I don't know. That's the Van Wilder prequel. Oh my god, The Rise of Taj. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, I've never heard of it. Um, that's that's for wild. March. You're wilding out, yeah. <laughs> yeah wilding out, out of months. First season of Wild Boys. <laughs> ben Wilder, Willy Wonka. Wild Thornberries, maybe? Yeah. Yep. Um, it's a lot of wild. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, though, yeah, uh, there is no overlap between Viva Las Vegas and Viva Rock Vegas, apart from this. Mm. So, the I'm, two movies have no similar. Like, the plot is, there's no similarity at all. I'm going through, in my mind now, the... Oscar nominees who are in Viva Rock Vegas <laughs> and Margaret mm-hmm. and Kristen Stewart. Mm-hmm. I think that's it. That may be it. So far, at least. So far. This hey. podcast will live on in perpetuity. So people will be listening back to this when who? Uh, hey, I'm, listen- I'm waiting for the show assance. John Cho. That's right. Best actor. Honestly, John Cho Best feels like show. it could happen. Best in show. Oh, there you go. Thank you. Oh, man. The campaign writes itself. The Searching Two. <laughs> the Chosen One. Really good. Really good. Um, we don't get to see Anne Margrock in the movie, which was a disappointment to me because that was part of the reason I was excited to do this one. She's not on screen at all. She just sings Viva Rock Vegas over this montage. And it's like the montage that we get to see instead of like 60 year old Anne Margaret in some kind of leopard print outfit or whatever is just like them running around the big casino sets for a while. She was too busy filming Grumpy Est, old man. <laughs> Is she in the... There's no third one. No, they should though. They should tie in Grumpiest Old Men with the Flintstones. Yeah, I guess it makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, Walter Matthau seems like a caveman. He could play Fred. He 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 could have played the Colonel easily. Yes, true. Yeah. I I think he probably has the sense not to. Um, 
the montage ends with the moment I mentioned before of Fred jumping into the pool and then all the water splashing out of the pool and then like a shot of Fred in the empty pool. Is Fred, I never really thought about this. Is Fred like a big fat guy? I think he is. I think like, he's like a, a, a John Good. Like you wouldn't think John Goodman is a big he fat guy. He is a guy. bit of a John Goodman type. <laughs> That's funny you should mention that. He's a bit of a John Goodman type. Where mm. John Goodman, yeah, I'm sure for a, at least definitely in the 90s. he was... As far as like Hollywood actors go, yeah. for sure. But he's also what, 6'3", six, 6'4"? Six, he's a big man. He's yeah. a yeah. big boy. But I'm just like, every every interview that I read with Brian Levant, the director, was like, we talked to every fat actor in Hollywood <laughs> when casting this role. And I'm like, I guess that's part of it. It's not like the most important thing about Fred Flintstone. No, it's right? got, like it's, it has to be like stature more so than yeah. heft. He's just like a dude. Yeah. I thought this was really, and like having this very clumsy, like, He's like he's the fattest man alive. Like this is like a Norbert joke, right? It's oh. like a, you know, it's. I never really thought about that being part of the sort of comedic game of. of and I guess Fred. If, you, if you look at the animated Fred Flintstone, he's got that weird. He 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 cuts a, a Trump esque stance. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where he's doing the weird uh, Donald Trump. He's got stance. a weird stance. Yeah, I guess he is a Trump figure. Where uh, Trump's a big boy. Yeah, but I guess you wouldn't call him. Fat. That's right. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. he's definitely he's like sort of stocky. He's like six four, stocky. Yeah. yeah. Can I pitch you who I think would have made the best Barney that I've just realized? Okay. Absolutely. Chris Farley. Yeah. True. Ooh. True. I feel Farley like for Barney. Farley for Barney. Yeah. Okay. Because I think he ooh, would he be a good Fred as well. well so that's the thing. Like I think they they would look at him for Fred, but I think that I would, but I think that he would make a more attractive Barney. I think at this time. R.I.P. Chris Farley. Yes. They would have gone Farley for Fred, Chris Catan for Barney. Oh, good. Oh, I could see yeah, that. Like That's that. what they yeah. would have gone for. Not that necessarily mm. would have been the best. Yeah. Mm. Not that they say would have like, wanted to pay for it necessarily. Farley's... Will Ferrell, Fred, oh. Chris Catan, Barney. Yes. We have Night been... at the Roxbury. <laughs> we did it, baby. We did it. We did it. We have been trying right, to think, like... Uh, rate and review us, Spotify. <laughs> at the end of the episode. Uh, we have been trying to think, like, if there was a 2022, or I guess 2023, uh, Flintstone movie, mm. like, who is in the in that universe right now? And I genuinely they don't think they're Fred really... Well, yeah, yes. probably. You'd never get away with some of the stuff he says these days. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be called Yabba Dabba They. <laughs> Um, <coughs> excuse me. This movie needs more subplots, so here's another one. Grab a dab a doer by the. <laughs> um, turns out that Chip owes money to the mob, and he's being shaken down by gangsters, Big Rocco and Little Rocco. Danny Woodburn, was it? I think so, yeah. yeah. Little Rocco? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Seinfeld. Right, exactly. Yeah. Mickey. Mickey from Seinfeld, yes. Um, Chip's plan is to break up Fred and Wilma, then marry Wilma, and gain access to the Slag Hoople fortune. Um, Bro, you own a casino. Yeah. I think you're good, man. I yeah. think you're going to be all right. You also have a big fine for you. You have a big switch that you can flick from lose to win, uh, which we'll talk about later as a key oh, yeah. point. <laughs> so, like, just flick it to lose for a while, and the money tap just turns on, you know? A lot of 90s movies involved villains marrying people for access to fortune. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Fred is winning big at craps, um, much like the, my review of this movie or something. Um, 
Uh, and uh, yeah, like like in the 1994 movie, he is blinded by greed. Uh, the money gets to his head. He won't stop gambling. Chip gives him a line of credit and encourages him to play high stakes poker. Chip also sends Barney off to the buffet with his girlfriend, a showgirl named Roxy, uh, to keep him out of the way so that uh, Barney can't stop Fred from gambling. Um, this is a subplot where uh, he, Barney is standing with a woman and uh, naturally Betty thinks that this means that he's cheating on her. Um, she gets a big pie to the face. Yeah. Um, and it's covered, she's covered in cream and then... The, she thinks that he's wiping the cream off her boobs. It's a fun choice. That's how I met my wife. <laughs> oh, really? Congratulations. Um, but uh, she soon meets rock star Mick Jagged of the Stones, who is also played by Alan Cumming, uh, and he comforts her and immediately starts coming on to her. The second coming, if you will. No. Oh, really good. Um, I think alan cumming is better suited to this character I, I actually really like this uh this a lot more than the gazoo um, i had completely forgotten he was doing dual dual roles in right this. Yeah, yeah double duty um he yeah i mean he's like alan cumming definitely has the moves like jagger and the flirty dms that he sent betty <laughs> uh, it's a topical maroon five reference um fred Tell... In the old days, they were called Maroon V. <laughs> the Roman numeral for uh, yeah. five. Yeah. Adam LaRocque, <laughs> some would say. Yeah. Max is like withering into a... I'm Are you doing so all right? Enjoying, I'm so enjoying this. Are you having a fun... Oh, I definitely am having okay, a good. And are you enjoying the movie? As uh, we're reliving it, yeah, I'm enjoying living the, the reliving the movie through your eyes. Do you, so what? Tell me about Mick Jagged. Do you like this character? Uh, I think that <laughs> this is this is fine. Um, <laughs> uh, he serves a fine trope. Um, the idea of a uh, rock and roll man coming in and stealing your um, stealing your girl, mm-hmm. I think, is something that everyone's afraid of. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Um, so it's tapping into a really natural um, fear. And in the year 2000, no one's more virile and wanted as a man than, <laughs> than Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger, yeah. Oh my God. But do an you interesting know, choice. He had children up until the age of 72. That, I mean, yeah, that's... Should be illegal? Should yeah. be illegal. Yeah, isn't. He has fathered something like nine children. Wild stuff. Yeah. Well, get um, it while you can. Yeah. Come Look, I, something. As, the, as the famous song goes, Papa was a Rolling Stone. Mm, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, you need someone to sing that song. It's spe- <laughs> and speaking of, uh, yeah, obviously Mick Jagged, a vicious send up of Mick Jagger. <laughs> well, <you laughs> know, like, yeah. One of the other actors mm-hmm. I think I saw in the cast list for the Stones, was it one of the tailors from Duran Duran? I didn't I didn't go that far into the cast list. I That's think, great. I think a member of Duran Duran plays one Just of the a, other stones. Who don't speak. Yeah. Yeah. Keith Rick Rick Rock Rochard? Surely Keith Rockshard, right? Would Keith Rockshard? Yeah. yeah. Keith Rockshard. Rockhard. Rockshard. Also good. Yeah. Cock? No. <laughs> I'll uh, look that up while you go through the uh... Keith Cockhard is the Flintstone porn parody. Oh. Why would they have Keith Richards in the porn parody? <laughs> <laughs> We're carrying across every character from Fever Cock Vegas. Vegas. Right, yeah. Um, 
Um, Fred tells Wilma, bowling's for poor people, which is the last straw for Wilma, who famously, of course, loves bowling. Her dream is to go bowling. So she dumps Fred. Um, and at this point, Chip flips the big switch from win to lose, um, which is, you know, immediately brings Fred's winning streak to a stop. Um, this is a really good thing to have in a casino. Mm. Um, somehow it applies to roulette, craps, and blackjack, but it only applies to Fred and not to any of the other gamblers at the casino. He doesn't have to communicate anything to any of his staff or anything like that. It just kind of happens. Very cool. Honestly, he was very ahead of his time with technology. <laughs> Well, between this I one... mean, they all seem very ahead of their time with technology. <laughs> <laughs> the Flintstones. Yeah, yeah. They've got television. Yeah, we didn't give them enough credit back in the Stone Age days, you know? Um, Chip makes up a story about robberies taking place at the casino. If I may interrupt. Please. Uh, yes. Keith Rockhard Great. is portrayed in this movie by John Taylor of Duran Duran. Hell yeah. That's 2022 so great. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee, John <laughs> wow. Taylor. Really good. I wonder if Two he remembers Oscars it. Oscars and a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty good cast. Mm. Does Anne Margrock have a spot in the Hall of Fame? Maybe not. No. No. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not she's yet. still she's still kicking. Right. She's like in her 90s. She was recently uh, Queen of England. No. no. Um, <laughs> Chip. Uh, yeah. He, he tells some fake story about robberies taking place at the casino. So Wilma agrees to put her pearls in his safe. Then security pulls the alarm before slipping the pearls into Fred's pocket. That's right. It's the exact plot from Titanic. Oh, yeah. Really oh, my just goodness went, gracious. We'll have that. Thank you. Oh. When they slip the like necklace into Leo's. So it is. Yeah. Mm. They're like, that'll do. Yeah. And no shade against him. Billy Zane seems like a perfect actor to play a bad guy in a Flintstones movie. Totally. And oh, in yeah. fact, like the, the character he is playing in Titanic would fit perfectly into this totally. tone, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, Something Picasso. <laughs> no, He'll no. never make anything of himself. <laughs> yeah. Not even Pablo something. He goes, something Picasso. Great. Pablo something, great Radiohead album. True. <laughs> uh, Fred is arrested for stealing the pearls, and when Barney tries to speak up for him, he's thrown in jail too. Pearl tries to convince Wilma that it's not too late to get back with Chip, uh, whilst Chip is being raked over the coals by the gangsters again. There's a very weird shot here. A very strange moment. What about this shot? Oh, that's not what I'm talking about, but okay. that is an interesting shot too. What I just did was put my hands over my face uh, as if to suggest that Chip was getting his face squished, which was a bizarre punishment. I thought you were putting your hands on your face because you realised you've been left home alone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. And in fact, I have been. Yeah, that's true. Um, that is a strange moment though, because that's the like torture thing that I guess not only passes the, would this be a thing in the Stone Ages test, but also can we make this in a G-rated movie? thing yeah you know? so i guess it's implied that he's being like stretched or squished or face, something face facially yeah. mm. lifted directly from casino <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right um and no the, the shot that i'm talking about is where i mentioned this before there's a bird that like flies out of the end of his tv remote right oh yeah and that's the bird that goes over and presses that which on its own is quite funny to me that's, that's how you would have a remote controller to be a little bird Classic gag. great mm. love it but the bird like, looks right into the camera and in a very questionable accent, says, Hey, I might be out of a job tomorrow. Brother's gotta have a little nest egg, you dig? And I feel like he's doing a real, like, black person impression in a movie where 
there is like one non-white character mm. and it is a non-speaking role of someone who works as a valet attendant. <laughs> like, it is a little uncomfortable. Yeah. I didn't... Going into this movie, I didn't think that I would see a remote control bird doing a black scent, but <laughs> hey, sometimes it's really the majesty of cinema It is the majesty, right. yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, when those lights dim... You <laughs> You're not the... going to get any weird accents in one of your crazy Star Wars movies. <laughs> no, no, that's no. Right. Especially the prequels. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you stick to what you know, yeah. Um, uh, Kazoo visits Fred. <laughs> I forgot Kazoo. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> Fuck Why? this dumb movie. <laughs> he vanishes for so long. Uh, Gazoo visits Fred and Barney in jail and reveals that Chip set the whole thing up to steal Wilma's money, um, which is something that they obviously could have just figured out on their own because they know that Wilma has this great fortune. Why else? Yeah. Um, and then also they literally just walk out of prison. Yeah. Which kind of works as a gag. I don't know if it quite lands in the movie. It's kind of funny though that they're so dumb that they don't realize that like Barney could literally just fit out of the prison gates. It also just kind of destroys any like stakes that there might have been, I guess. Not that anybody's really coming here for that. Um so but they're wanted men now. Um so uh I'll say hubba hubba. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well you say hubba hubba, but they're about to get even hubba hubbier. Um because uh I'll say hubba hubba. How about Hanna Barbara? <laughs> We need to get these breasts out of this room. Um, Thankfully, it is Las Vegas, so there are some skimpy showgirl outfits that are just being wheeled past them at that exact moment. Um, So much like in the beginning of Some Like It Hot, they get all dolled up uh, and they end up on stage dressed in these skimpy showgirl outfits with like makeup and stuff. Why did this? I I watched this twice. Why did this happen? (laughs) Not sure. I think they were... Trying to escape from the cops. They're trying to evade capture. Oh. But like this, all of this takes place over maybe 30 seconds. It's explained very, very briefly. Um, I'm not sure. I think they just think this is funny. Like, imagine, men in if, dresses. imagine if a man wore a dress. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're not even I mean, they're very... All, they already are. Right. right exactly. <laughs> they're, they're their men. outfits are already ludicrous. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're also not dressed as like Stone Age cave people. Like, you know... They're, they're literally dressed as, like, modern, like, Also, dancers. they're speaking English. <laughs> <laughs> what is going... They shot these things on modern cameras? I mean, That's come on! Unbelievable. Um, they, uh, yes, we all laugh very hard because they uh, look like um, women, even though they're actually not. Um, <laughs> and then they run off stage and they end up in Mick Jagged's dressing room. Um, Barney confesses his love to Betty and they get back together. And Barney and Mick Jagged fight. Um, Mick Jagged says, over my ridiculously thin dead body, um, which I thought is mildly funny. I wrote down the things that I thought were funny, and there's like three of them. Um, and Mick Jagged is knocked unconscious, which is important for plot reasons. Um, so in the audience, uh, Chip proposes to Wilma, but before she can get the answer out, the stones come on stage. But instead of Mick Jagged, who is unconscious in the back room, Fred Flintstone comes on stage dressed in his clothes. There's a lot of, like, outfit swaps. Um, And he sings the Stones classic hit, This Isn't Love, to Wilma, Um, which I want to talk about briefly. Where do you guys think that this song fits in the pantheon of, like, fake songs written for bands in movies? I, very biasedly, had a like full body reaction hearing it because it's like I remember this very very clearly from mm. either seeing it in the drive-ins or yeah. renting yeah. it 
It's like, I remember this so clearly. I yeah. remember his uh, crazy lavish outfit. Yeah. Um, I remember... And, you know, the song's fine. Yeah. It's I, not based on an actual Stone, Stone song, song no. 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 I think this is one of the, the stranger things about it. Because initially I was like... Well, this sounds nothing like the Rolling Stones. And in fact, like it, I think it is weird that they don't say the Rolling Stones at any point. Mm. Like, despite the fact that obviously it's Mick Jagger, like they, they are trying not to do a very obvious style parody of um, a Rolling Stones song. But I kind of liked the song and it kept like, as I watched this movie a couple of times this week, it kept kind of getting in my head. And I was wondering like, what is it about this that is like working for me? So... I did a little bit of digging and I found out that the song is actually written by no joke. One of the greatest songwriters of all time, Brian Wilson. Get fucked. Um, in a late era collaboration with Tony Asher, who co-wrote eight songs on pet sounds with Brian Wilson, including God only knows and Caroline. No. Um, so Brian Wilson performs this song on a live album released in the year 2000, where he introduces it by saying the Flintstones have a movie coming out next month. So be watching for this song in that movie when you go see it. And then he plays this like beautiful rendition. It's like orchestrated with like a, you know, a full like sort of concert orchestra behind him. And he also released like a solo piano version with no lyrics. That's really beautiful as well. And I'm like, that's why it works. Cause it's like this fucking master at work writing this song that's much more interesting and complicated than it needs to be for this movie a second rock and roll hall of fame inductee right exactly yeah Yeah. imagine like contracting brian wilson to write (laughs) this song for this part of this movie right who is it is it brian levant making the phone call is it hannah or barbara is steven spielrock involved with this production (laughs) not really he's he's not a he's not listed as a producer cousin barney (laughs) barney wilson (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i i think amblin entertainment his company is still like one of the production companies that made this but i think his role is massively less uh, front and center than the first one. Than the first yeah. one. Well, yeah. Brian Wilson really put his whole Flintstussy into this. So I'm really happy about did. it. He certainly did. Um, Fred, he starts singing this song and then he puts the microphone down on the table in front of her and the band keeps playing. Um, I was just fascinated about the experience of being an audience member here. <laughs> well, he's like, you know, the band is like mixed down to 5% when you're watching the movie so that you can hear the conversation that he's having at a regular speaking volume with her. But I guess everybody else is just like sitting and waiting while they like vamp on the same four chords over mm. and over. Um, and, That's uh, Rock Vegas for you, baby. It's true, yeah. And you can't talk about it once you leave. Mm. Um, Fred apologizes for his behavior and stuttering like he did when he first asked her out, asks her to marry him, and she says yes. And then at the 80-minute mark of the movie... It is time for literally the second Yabba Dabba Doo in the entire movie. Isn't that nuts? That's crazy. Isn't there one yeah. thing they need to do in this movie, which is to have him say Yabba Dabba Doo once every like do the line, 10, Fred. 20 minutes? Yeah. Although with a prequel, I'm shocked that they didn't wait until Yabba Dabba Doo to just close out the whole oh. thing. Oh, true. Or even show a scene where he's like drafting it, where he's like, <laughs> yippity dippity. No, that's not going to do it. <laughs> where he's like, Yankee doodle dandy. <laughs> Yummy. Butter. That would work. <laughs> he's trying to do it all throughout the movie. He keeps getting interrupted right. or people don't like it. Then at the end, Wilma kisses him on the cheek. And that's what it's And then he raises it. up and he's... Yeah. Yabba dabba Fucking hell. That is much better. There are more homina hominas than Yabba Dabba Doo in this film. It's true. 
<laughs> Actually, they squeeze in a lot of them into the last like 20 minutes. It's as if they realize they're like, oh, fuck, that was. <laughs> we had that big meeting this morning. I assume they met, they wrote it all in one day. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. like, we had that big yabba dabba do meeting this morning. <laughs> Not hitting my KPIs. <laughs> How about a little less hummada hummadas? A little bit more yabba dabba doos. <laughs> That's a lesson we could all learn in yeah. 2022. <laughs> yeah. Or 2020 do, as I'm calling it. <laughs> um, WWE wrestler Triple H, his full name is uh, Hummin Hummin Hummin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cut directly <laughs> to the wedding at the Rock Vegas Chapel of Love, where instead of saying, I do, Fred says, I have a dub do. He seems like... He's gritting his teeth saying it at that point, though. I don't know if they shot this in sequence or not, but I just feel like he did not enjoy having to say that Why? Line. Why do they keep contracting men to play Fred who simply do not want to play Fred? <laughs> it's true. Well, who does? Yeah. I guess the guy who's on the rap album, like, who is the voice of Fred normally at that point anyway. Yeah. Like, he's a lifer, you know? He's, like, committed... You know, I, I guess like for a for a motion picture, you want a star who is going to get some people in through the door, maybe, right? Yeah. Um, so they have to have some Mark interest and in projects. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I mean, they're trying to strike the balance, right? I guess like John Goodman got a lot of people through the door for the first one. This mm. time around, I'm not sure, but you, you there's a balance between getting some recognizable or bankable like Hollywood celebrity or actor or someone with some track record or whatever. Yeah. I suppose that's the other part of this, right? Like in the in the year two thousand, none of these people, I think, you would say, were reliably bankable. No, not really. Hmm. So you're relying on the bankability of Fred Flintstone. Yes, the real star is the friends we made along the way. <laughs> yeah, um, the Freds we made along the way. Mm, mm. Like the sitcom Freds, nineties. <laughs> What's that? I don't remember that. Friends. Oh, of course. No, I've never heard of that either. Um, Gazoo tells Barney, I finally understand your complex mating rituals, all the emotions, all this love, and I've come to the conclusion that I'll never meet anybody before being licked by Dino, to which Gazoo says, you're very sweet, but believe me, it would never work out. And this is like the culmination of the Gazoo storyline. This is kind of where we end up. I yeah, was perfect. surprised. Well, of course, that's why I'm, yeah, that's why I'm saying this. But I was surprised they didn't have another scene where he's like back at the UFO, or, you know, reporting back and being like, these are the things I learned about the humans or anything. Mm. There's nothing like that. It is wild he doesn't end up with a character named Girl Zoo. That would be great. It'd be really good. Yeah. We bought a and Girl they could Zoo. Report back. <laughs> we bought a Girl Zoo. <laughs> oh my God. Um, so <laughs> then the entire wedding party sings Girl along. Zoo Binkley. Would still be Max, around you today. Submit one. Throw one into the uh, into the in the rotation. Take it away, Quinny. Oh, look, okay, look, we're going on. Uh, we're reporting back. We're going on uh, Gazoom. I was going to say, I'm glad we were able to record this in person rather than doing it over Gazoom. Yeah. Thank you. Good. Very. Yep. Excellent. Um, the entire wedding party sings along to "Meet the Flintstones." which is a song that I guess exists within the Flintstone universe. Mm. Um, they changed some of the lyrics to reflect their current situation, I guess. Um, Betty catches the bouquet and kisses Barney. And then they conga line into a reprise of Viva Rock Vegas, this time sung by Mick Jagged with a big group dance number, like at the end of a Bollywood movie, um, which I kind of loved. I feel like... I loved the ending. It was yeah. Great. yeah. <laughs> I feel like wild. it's crazy that the first movie didn't end with one of these... And, like, it feels like every family movie should, like, by law, end with a big dance party. You know? A big dance number. I loved it. It's what Trek got right. Right. 
True. It's part of the reason people like that movie, I think. Um, the Flintstones drive off with Dino and Gazoo, who I guess just like, yeah, lives on Earth now. I don't know. Un- unresolved. Um, well, I guess he probably dies between the events of this movie and the events of the Flintstones <laughs> 1994. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. He's not referenced at all, is he? No, he's no. not mentioned. Yeah. Um, Which, if we had a Gazoo, we would never stop talking about him. <laughs> You would not be done talking about it within yeah. a few years. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Remember Gazoo? <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah. That, w- Dude, that guy sucked. <laughs> what? What's his name? Wait. Kazoo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always getting into scrapes. Um, Anne Margrock's Viva Rock Vegas plays again over the end credits, where I learned that it has an instrumental break where instead of a solo, it's just various Hanna-Barbera sound effects. Oh, <laughs> sick. It's really good. Yeah, oh, the, I did not watch the credits. Yeah, the full version's worth worth doing. Maybe the soundtrack is worth tracking down. I don't know. So it's like a thunk. Definitely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, all, God. The, all the hits. Oh. Yeah. In fact, keep doing them. Yeah, but damn Bonnie. Yeah, but there's a lot of that. Um, Man, you would love this fucking rap album. I, I am fucking <laughs> listening to this on the way home. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the recap. Let's let's talk about our final sort of wrap up, final thoughts about it. The movie did not do very well, as I think no. you mentioned. Um uh, especially in comparison to the original, uh, this movie had an $83 million budget. It earned about $38 million domestically and ended up at about 60 internationally. I have to assume it never made its money back. Like, even though I spent a whole dollar fifty on my DVD copy of it. Um, I don't know, maybe they're drawing even on that dollar fifty. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. I think you should give yourself some credit. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I, I'm doing good work here, um, and I'm proud of myself. And look... They'll probably get another, like, 20 to 30 people watching it because of this podcast. You know, streaming it on Netflix or Binge or whatever. Yeah. So, I feel proud. Yeah, I mean, it's it is, it's wild that it is streaming on Netflix and Binge. Right, yeah. yeah. And it released it, what, 2000? Would it come out home video 2001? Peak? Mm-hmm. I mean, peak VHS rental and DVD crossing over at the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you would have got... Yeah. I, Bit of both. I reckon it's not crazy to think that it would have made its initial budget back probably not including you know marketing and, marketing yeah. and advertising and which i would have to think there was quite a lot of VHS. yeah right yeah mm. i don't think anybody's super happy with how this turned out no it yeah in any sense of the word it's a bit of a disaster but uh some disasters can be pretty fun yeah like titanic great movie <laughs> yeah. i'm glad it crashed yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yes, the critical consensus is also... Flintstones, Viva Rock Vegas, the first unsinkable movie! (laughs) We will not, we will not lose money! It'll never go under, yeah. Uh, critics didn't like it either. Oh, no, you know what, actually, I found this out just, like, on Wikipedia or whatever, and, like, on, uh... Uh, the the Rotten Tomato like take this with a grain of salt obviously but the Rotten Tomatoes critical consensus the little like descriptor that they have at the top of the page or whatever says that the pre- the prequel is a surprising improvement over the Flintstones critics feel Viva will appeal to a broad range of viewers so weirdly like I think there is some at least among some people think that this one is actually better oh. which is not an opinion that I share but also not one that I can really understand like I think that might have just come from critics who did not like the first one mm. and saw this and just like yeah i guess it's much it's the same thing sure but i went into this with much lower expectations maybe so. that's yeah. it yeah or maybe it's like a lot of Your people dumb uh, kids will laugh yes maybe Fuck a, lo- you. a lot of certified people... fresh <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people maybe saw the first one really didn't like it um but wrote a review where they shit talked it and then they didn't bother seeing the second one so the only people who did review the second one 
would maybe have been a little kinder to it. Mm-hmm. They had sort of Possibly. sorted some of the wheat from the chaff at that point. Um, we've talked a little bit about how we feel about the movie. Um, what's Max's <laughs> crossed arms. I hate to make you into the villain of the piece, Maxie, but look, uh, talk to me about why it didn't work for you. Okay. So it didn't work for plot reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought like, I mean, there have been a lot of things that we've talked about where I've been like, uh, I think that the casting was, was pretty good. I think everyone did a good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just was, I, I wanted, I wanted it to be fun and mm. funny and not, it just felt like all of the beats that it could hit, it didn't hit. And I didn't like that about it. Yeah. I think I like, I don't know. I, I weirdly thought it didn't have as many jokes yeah, as the first one. That's also true. Um, like the first one, weirdly, it seems like every couple of lines of dialogue, every line was a joke is and a like, joke. Uh, there's almost like, uh, like the attention to detail in the sense that like every gag was a sight gag. You yeah. would, uh, yeah, just the attention to detail that had been paid in naming things in a funny way, hmm. uh, in callback gags, in things that you would just like, things pay off in that movie yeah. in a way that they don't really in this one. Yeah. That was, that was it for me. Um, I would have hired 29 more writers yeah. and yeah. um, yeah, just seeing, seeing how we, how we went. Yeah. I'm inclined to agree, I think. Um, but I'm glad we watched it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I agree that, and I, what's this about a week and a half ago? Mm. Uh, my recollection of the first Flintstones movie. Yeah. It's real fun. It is great to see all these practical effects and mm. set design and great cast and a lot of great gags. There's less in Viva Rock Vegas. There's mm. a couple of good gags. I really like the uh, the running gag of the guy from the mask who was like, "The dinosaurs are oh, going to yeah. die." Oh yeah, I like that. Yeah. That's that was a good great. Gag. And they were yeah. like ignoring him. That was yeah. a very fun gag. I yeah. like that. That I remember from from childhood liking. And yeah, and I'm very very biased. I went into this with a lot of nostalgia. I was mm. like, "This is." Uh, I saw this at a very formative age. I remember some things very vividly. I want to see how it stands up, and it's fine. Yeah, yeah. The I cast is the cast is doing a really good job. They seem like they're having fun. Yep. What this movie would have benefited largely with the blooper reel. True. Yeah. Where was that? And in fact, not even in the DVD extras or anything. It would it would have given us either a oh they look like they're having fun. Yes. This is more acceptable. Or B. Everyone looks miserable. Right. This is so much more fun when you realize that everyone fucking everyone hates, hates it. it. Right. Because yeah. if I learned fun... that, then I would be like, oh, this is the most bizarre cultural product. Because on its surface, yeah. it is like, can you imagine being a person who has to put this amount of work into mm. doing this thing, which is so silly? It does. It is fun to watch a major movie studio lose money in real time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. are putting in a lot of effort into... Look, the practical sets look pretty cool. Not too, too bad. Yeah. yeah. And I'm sure they made their money back turning this into a weird Universal Studios backlot I'm sure they, yeah, experience definitely. kind of deal. I think there might have been a video game, like a Super Nintendo game or something. Oh, probably. Cool. Yeah. Um, but with, yeah. With gambling, maybe? I don't know. Maybe. Oh, if not. Did they, you know what? Did they make, because they would have made their money back if they did this. Did they just have like a Flintstones slot machine? Oh. I, I reckon there would have been a... Uh, Flintstones Viva Rock Vegas themed pinball game for the Game Boy Advance. Yeah! It sounds good. Well, that was a treat. Um, thank you for coming onto our podcast, Tim. Hey, no problem. It's why I flew to Sydney. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, uh, please, where can we see you? How can we engage with you? What are all the things? Uh, hey, thanks so much for having me. Much appreciated. Uh, it was pleasure. fun to talk about this. Of course. Um, you can follow me on social media online at Mr. Timothy Clark. 
you know, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Letterboxd, mm. callback. Mm. Something the first Flintstones did a lot better than the second. <laughs> True. Yeah. Twitter, uh, like the bird that flies out of the... I'm sorry, you were talking. Don't worry. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> it's better. Um, I, I, I'm also part of Chimp Cop, which is a sketch comedy group. We might be doing something in Melbourne Comedy Festival next year, so mm-hmm. keep an eye on Sick. that. I um, saw Chimp Cop, like, years ago, and it was fucking great. Thank you very much. And it was much. before I knew you at all or anything, and I'm just... Beautiful. Took Thank a you. chance on a little show with chimp in its name. It's a, it's a silly kind of pa- uh, pastiche sketch kind of narrative kind of deal. If you like Naked Gun or something yeah. similar, you might like us. You're going to so love it. Check us You're out. Have a great time. Um, yeah. Thank you so much. What a pleasure. Thank you. Um, this brings to a close. Yabba yabba do follow me on social media. <laughs> the inaugural Flintstone Month draws to a close. Uh, did you like it? I didn't like it. <laughs> we fucked up. No, I loved. <laughs> why did we do this? I mean, yeah. When Tim got here, just behind the curtain a little, Tim was like, uh, "Why did you guys?" And perfectly fair question. I'm not putting you on blast. Why did you guys do this? And I went, "Oh yeah." <laughs> As I said, there's a lot of weeks in the year to make content for. Yeah, yeah. yeah look, is, what's what's coming up? Like, is there another theme month coming up, or well, we is the Bachelor back? That. And you're like, "Fucking finally." We also, were just talking about this on our previous episode, but the Bachelor has just been pushed back until next year. Okay. So we don't really know. Well, I mean, now that I'm looking at you wearing the Josie and the Pussycats um, mm-hmm, shirt, mm-hmm. Uh, what? Other Hanna-Barbera live action. Well, it makes me think, because we've gone into the past, I wish there was some Flintstone-like animated series that Hanna-Barbera had done, where instead of looking back into the past, it was like a future like family. I think that would be oh, yeah. funny, okay. like fertile territory. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wish they had done something like family that. Family God. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. We might have to do some digging, I guess. I, I can't even tease it. I don't know. Me yeah. and Max will have to talk about it. Um, any final thoughts, Maxie? Uh, listeners, we love you. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Rock. Rock. Stone. Rocks. Boulder. Rock Stone 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 All my life I've waited for years Hearing your voice Music to my ears From the first moment You entered my life Just one hope Wilma